And today, we're going to look at a very familiar story, one that seems so fantastic, so iconic, that maybe, um, if you're like me, you have some trouble um, really applying it or really bringing it into your life. Uh, and so this is what I want to um, jump into today, because remember, the goal of these lessons is not for them to just stay in our heads, but for them to make their way into our hearts and find some kind of expression in our lives by the way that we live, by the way that we treat one another, by the way that we speak to one another. Uh, so let me, let me ask you this. Have you ever gone um, from everything is great, everything is so good and great, and then all of a sudden you've gone through everything is just awful. Everything is broken and nothing nothing works, right? Have you ever done that like in the same day? Right? Or, or maybe like in the same minute, right? If, if you're like, or, or it could just happen instantly with a phone call. Everything seems good, then everything seems terrible. Um, right? and, and maybe you're here and you might say, not me, Brian. I'm steady Eddie, man. I, I got faith. I got joy. I got hope. I'm standing on that firm foundation we sung about. And it's like, cool. Right. Totally believe <laughs> I told, I totally believe But for me, and for everyone else who has ever existed, this back and forth battle seems to be what we experience on a regular basis. And if you're hoping that if you followed Jesus, then you would never have any problems and your whole life would be perfect all the time, that's not it. It's in this back and forth. Right, that, that maybe as you experience things and everything is good and it seems like it's easy to have joy and it's easy to have hope and it's easy to be kind. And, and then all of a sudden, everything is awful. Or maybe you're struggling with something and it's very difficult to be kind. And I find myself not being kind at all. I find myself being sharp and harsh or angry. It's in this back and forth. You have to ask yourself, like, which version of you is the real you? Which version of me in this back and forth that all of us experience, which version is the real me? Like, here's the uh, short answer. Um, the, the truth about following Jesus sometimes is sometimes I'm, and sometimes I'm okay at it, and other times I'm really bad at it. Uh, my wife told me the other, the other day, she actually told me this week, like, man, sometimes I don't know which version of you I'm going to get. Like, me neither. <laughs> me, me, me neither sometimes, right? And so the short answer is which version of Brian is the real? Is it Pastor Brian? Pastor Brian, Amen, brother. How was your week? Praise God. Or is it fatally flawed, Brian? Short answer is yes. Like both of those are the real me, and it's the same for you. All of us experience changing seasons, changing circumstances, and we face them with fear and faith and impulse. And in some cases, we face it all of those things at the same time. And so with that reality in mind, that experience in mind, we don't have to pretend like, oh, no, everything's great all the time, and I'm always in love with Jesus and following him perfectly. It's with that reality in mind I want us to look at this familiar story today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 14. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 22 in just a second. I want to give you a little bit of context about this chapter. In chapter number 14, it starts off, um, with news reaching Jesus and the disciples that John the Baptist had just got his head cut off, right? So it's bad day, right? So, so it starts off with them receiving some bad news. And if you're the disciples, this news is really scary, right? Because Jesus steps onto the scene and he's making way bigger waves than John the Baptist 
ever did, right? So Jesus is on the scene. He's getting more attention. He's drawing more crowds. And so it's safe to assume the same crosshairs that were on John the Baptist, the same aggression or the same offense that people had about John the Baptist, they also had about Jesus. And you happen to be some of his best friends, right? Like he came by your boat one day and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And you said yes. Right? So this news that they received from John the Baptist, it, it's scary, right? It's scary news. It, it, it's one of those things where it's not really great that you hear this. Next, though, immediately, the next thing that happens is that this whole multitude of people are following Jesus and his disciples, and he sets them down and he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Amazing. Amazing. That, that had to be wild to watch. But the disciples didn't just watch this happen. Jesus included the disciples in passing out the loaves and the fishes. They were included in this miracle. But, man, I don't know how you get your mind wrapped around seeing that happen. But that's, that's miraculous. Do, do you think that when they heard the news about John the Baptist, they might have been fear filled with fear and anxiety? And doubt. Maybe is this the right choice following Jesus? Because it seems like this might not go the way that we thought it did. And then the very next moment, you're here participating in this miraculous thing, and you're filled with hope and with joy and with expectation and courage. Man, this is this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This back and forth that they experience. And then we get to this passage today that we read in verse number 22. It says immediately. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I, I want you to put yourself in this story, right? You just experienced and participated in the miraculous. And Jesus puts you inside a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden you are getting hammered by waves all night. Miserable. These followers of Jesus, the disciples, they go from miserable to miraculous, miserable to miraculous, miserable to miraculous. It reminds me of a scene in the office. Did you get that reference? You're welcome. If not, we'll go on. But how many of you identify with that? Miserable to miracle. Good, bad, up, down. But that's life, man. There's no escaping it. Culture wants you to live vicariously through Instagram or Hollywood as if your dream life is just one problem-free life away. It's just out there for you. All you have to do is just buy something or just subscribe to some new thing. You just need one new relationship. You just need a new job. You just need this new thing, and it will finally make you happy. I, I heard this this week, and I thought that it was, it was really insightful. You've already achieved goals you said would make you happy. Have you thought about that? You've already achieved goals that you said would make you happy. What's up with that? How come we get the back and forth? How come it seems like it's so fleeting? The reality is, despite what culture says, is that if you're only holding on to what you think will make you happy, right, allowing that to be the compass for your life and for your future, what happens is that happiness is always out of reach. It's always out of reach for you. And what happens is that the miraculous completely disappears. 
seeing it. And all you're left with is this feeling of being unsatisfied because you're only holding on to what you think will make you happy in this moment. You never catch up to it. You always feel unsatisfied. You always feel the sense of, this is the miserable part. This isn't the money thing. This is the miserable. It, 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 that happens all around us. Did, did you know in 2023, more than 50,000 Americans died by suicide? Just a question. That's more than has ever been recorded in American history. Over 50,000 people. More than 37 million Americans are on antidepressants. More than 60 million Americans, 12 and older, experienced substance abuse disorder in 2023. That's from the National Survey of Drug Use and Health. And, and I don't bring statistics like that up to try to trigger anyone or shame anyone. My heart for Wellspring is for us to be more like a recovery center that's masquerading as a church than some sexy religious social club, right? Like, if you're looking for a perfect church, if you're looking for perfect people, if you're looking for a perfect pastor, like, you're going to have to keep shopping, right? I, I, I might be able to give you advice, but it seems like everybody's perfect over there. But if you're looking for that here, you're not going to find it, right? Because this is the thing. It's all of us would rather appear impressively intact, right? I, I bring these statistics up, uh, not to shame anyone, but to point out that there's something deeply, deeply wrong. And I think it's because we're not really getting an honest picture of how and what life is. Culture likes to lie to you. Religion wants to institutionalize you. Prosperity teachers are out there telling you, if you're a good follower of Jesus, you're just going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? And like I said, all of us have this propensity to put on a mask and to present ourselves as if we're impressively intact and everything is good, right, all the time. That's not how life really is. Right, well, so what do we do with this back and forth? This back and forth that we experience. We're followers of Jesus. We want to imitate Him. We want to be like Him. We want to be changed by Him. We want to be committed to His mission. What do we do with this back and forth that we experience? Uh, let's jump, go ahead and jump into this passage again from the beginning in verse number 22. Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him on the other side while He dismissed the crowd. First off, the first thing that happens here is Jesus was the one that sent his disciples into the storm. Did you notice that? Like, Jesus wasn't like, ah, oh, I don't think it'll be windy. Right? Like, he knows everything that's happening, and he puts them into the boat and says, hey, guys, go that way. Jesus is the one that puts them into the storm. To sent them out there to wrestle and struggle against the waves all night. But this is what I want you to understand. Not everything that you face. Not every battle that you have is meant to destroy you. But I would love for life to be simple sometimes, right? To look around. Have you ever looked around and think, like, man, I don't know if this could get any worse, really? But first of all, if you have that thought, don't say it. Right? Like, I'm like, I don't think this can get any worse. And it instantly gets worse, right? So first of all, if you're having that thought, don't, don't, don't say that. Don't say that one out loud. But everything that you face is not meant to destroy you. Actually, what you're facing right now, I don't know your life, I don't know your circumstances, I don't know what you're struggling through, but what you're facing right now, what you just want to be over, like that thing might be sent not to destroy you, but to develop you. Right? Not everything is the devil, right? I don't know if you follow like churchy stuff, I don't know what your church background is, but everything that's bad is like, oh, that's the devil. Right? I don't know if the devil is behind every terrible thing that goes on in your life. Like maybe it might just be some dumb choices that you made, right? Or 
maybe it might be something that God is sending you into to develop you, not to destroy you. Second, when we look at this verse, and I don't really know who this is for. I tried to cut this out of my message like three different times, okay? Um, but I just couldn't do it. Uh, let Jesus take care of the crowd, and you just do what he told, told you to do. This, this is what happened. But Jesus sends his disciples after he's just been working and participating in this miracle, and Jesus handled the crowd, right? You and I can get so focused on what the crowd might think or what the crowd might say or what they're doing that it stops us from doing what Jesus is asking us to do. So I'm just putting this out there. Don't be so focused on the crowd. Let Jesus take care of the crowd and you do what he's telling you to do. In verse number 23, it says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. When I read this story, Jesus sends out his disciples, and he knows that they're out there, like, battling the waves. I always thought that this was, like, weird timing for Jesus to go off by himself, right? Especially to pray. Like, it's like, dude, don't you, don't you, don't you know what's going on here? I thought the timing was strange. But actually, when you look at this, this is the perfect example of what and why we should pray. Because prayer isn't performance. Right? Prayer isn't some performance that you make in front of God. Prayer is power for when you have none. That, that's what prayer is. It's not a performance. It's power for when you have none. Jesus had taught and had served all day long. And when he sent his disciples away, he dealt with the crowd. And then he got by himself, not to perform for God, but to connect to his source of strength. And so as you're praying, I know we talked about prayer a couple weeks ago. As you're praying, I just want to encourage you, it is perfectly fine to pray messy prayers, right? Like, not all of my prayers sound like real pretty and special, right? I know that we have pretty church prayers, you know, but not all my prayers are pretty enough. If you have messy prayers, it's okay. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Job. Like, that's a wild ride to, like, buckle into and read sometimes, but I'd encourage you to do it. Some of the prayers that he prays, I don't know if you've read the Psalms, some of the prayers that are in there, like, well, you better be careful praying those in a Baptist church somewhere. I'm telling you. Like, like some of these prayers are messy and wild. But the thing is, it's not so much how you pray. It's not so much what you say. It's that you pray. It's that you understand that this isn't a performance that I have to make to God. We just sang a second ago that Jesus is our friend. He's brought us into our family. We have this friendship, this relationship with him that isn't based on my performance. So when I get in front of the Lord to pray, why would I try to perform for him? I want to pour out my heart to him. And yeah, it's going to be messy because sometimes it's a wreck in here. And I want to pour that out. And it's not how I pray. It's not what I say. It's that I pray it's that I understand that this isn't a performance. This is about power because a whole lot of times I don't have any. And if I'm depending on my own, I'm not going to get anywhere with it. Verse number 25, it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear, which I think, by the way, is completely a normal reaction. A lot of times. A lot of times you read this and you're like, why did they think it was a ghost? It's like, because these guys have been working freaking all night 
like, and all of a sudden there's a dude on the water. I'm saying, like, if I've been in a boat all night and I've been working real hard and I know none of us have been drinking, like, that guy might be a ghost. That's, that's all I'm saying. Is I think this is a, a normal reaction that these guys could have. In verse number 20 seconds, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And, and sometimes when we're trying to follow Jesus and real life is happening to us, right? It's not great all the time. It's not perfect all the time. And you're working really hard and you're looking out there and you're going, I don't, I don't know what I'm seeing and I don't think I see Jesus anywhere. This is what Jesus does. He speaks. Don't be afraid. Have courage. It is I. And he said this here and I just want to let you know, he's still saying this. He's still saying this to you in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your storm, when you're tired and you don't even know what you're looking at sometimes, Jesus immediately speaks to these guys. Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Verse number 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter, and I had to fill the fear, faith, and impulse, right, like all of us, got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him. And truly, you are the Son of God. A friend of mine told me this week, you can't have both growth and comfort. It doesn't work like that. Like, you can't have both growth and comfort. So here's the choice that I'm going to ask you to make and to wrestle with today. You can stay in the boat, and you can watch the miraculous happen. Or you can step out and experience the miraculous this is, this is the reality. This is what we all have to wrestle with. You can stay in the boat and watch miraculous things happen. Or you can step out and actually experience the miraculous. When I say stepping out of the boat, what, what do I mean? I mean, whatever you've decided is comfortable and safe. All of us have what we decide is comfortable and safe, and I'm okay here, right? Like, and we do this in every area of our life. If it's exercise and how you look in the mirror, you're like, I'm okay here, right? Like, this is, I can make it here. This is fine. Or if it's financially or every part of our life, we do this. So whatever you think is comfortable and safe for you in your spiritual development, whatever that is, right, that, that's what stepping out of the boat is. Stepping outside of that is scary. But like, that, that's the reality. It's scary. And when you do that, some people won't understand. Like, they'll call it reckless. It's being reckless. Like, I guarantee you, if I was in that boat and one of you guys stepped out on the water and we thought it was a ghost, I'd be like, as the last time we saw Peter, like, that was, that was it. I don't know what's going to happen to him, but that's it. That's the end of it. Like, some, when, when you do that, when you step out, when, you're, when you take a breath and you believe that Jesus is who he said he is and he's going to do what he said he would do, he said he would meet me where I am, I'm going to step out of this boat. When you do that, some people are going to say it's reckless. Like, you know what I would do? I mean, good for you. 
all of us have probably experienced this in some way, shape, or form, especially as you begin to follow Jesus. And maybe even you want to share this with a friend or a family member. You're like, man, I want to talk to you. What, what, what happened to me? This, this experience that I had with a living God. And they go, all right, man, sound, that's, you know, that's, that sounds like that's for you. Right? All of us have experienced this in some way, shape, or form. That's not what I would do. The world is full of people who would rather sit in the boat and step out on the way. But, but I want you to see something about this. But yes, Peter walked on water, but walking on water wasn't Peter's fault. It's not like Peter stepped out on the water. Walking on water wasn't Peter's goal. Getting to Jesus was. It was a lot of us. Oh, man, I want to experience it. I, I, I want to experience God. I want to attempt this thing. I want to be significant. I want to do something. Walking on water wasn't Peter's goal. Getting to Jesus was. Do not orient your life around spiritual performance. Like what you can work up, what you can do, because what will happen is you'll end up in the water, not on the water. Walking on water wasn't the goal. Getting closer to Jesus was. And I'm going to ask Christy to come up as we're wrapping up here. This back and forth that we face in life, the ups and downs, the on the water and in the water, sometimes under the wave. But what do you do when you're sinking? All of us experience that. What do I do when I'm sinking under these waves. Peter cried out, Lord, save me. What I, what I love about that is Peter cried out as soon as he began to sink. If you're like me, like, I, sometimes I get 15 feet under the water before I kind of say anything. Lord, save me. You know, so, some of us, maybe we sink all the way down to the bottom before we say anything. But here's the amazing truth is that Jesus' response to you is the same. Immediate. Immediate grace. God has never withheld His grace and His love for you. He hasn't done it. He wants you. I know sometimes, like, man, I don't know how I can approach Jesus. I know the things that I'm doing. I know the things that I'm thinking. I know the battles that I'm facing. I don't know if I can cry out to Him right now. I've got to figure out how to swim, and if I can get myself up high enough, then I can ask Jesus to come in and show me grace and mercy and save me. That's not how that works. And they're afraid immediately. Jesus said that. Immediately, Jesus This is what God wants to relate to. This is how he wants to relate to. Jesus doesn't relate to Peter. Depending on how you view Jesus, or, or maybe more importantly, how you think he views you, might flavor the way you read that interaction. But I don't think that Jesus was berating. I think it's a lot more like when my daughters were learning how to walk. And she got stuck. And she got stuck. And they fell down. And they said, Oh, you were doing it. You were doing it. And you teach them how to ride a two wheeler. And they're going. And then they fall down. You were doing it. You were right there. Keep going. This is how 
sometimes it's you bringing me into the way. It's a solution that you can do it all over and over